Blog Talk Radio. Radio.com. My name is Pastor Steve Lee, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. And if you're listening to us via our simulcast during the hours of 9 to 11 o'clock p.m. on Monday evenings, we are so glad to have you. If you're listening to us on any other social media platforms or during any other times of the week, please contact us here at LiveDeliverance.com and give us the times, the dates, and the locations that you're listening to us on. Although we would love to proliferate the airways, we must do it legally, ethically, and in righteousness. If you hear our content through any other means, it is the result of Internet piracy and copyright infringement. And all those who participate in any Internet piracy can be persecuted, prosecuted, and by the federal agents. Now, having said all that, I would like to get down to the kingdom business. So go ahead and get a pen and some paper. And if you have any questions or comments about the ministry tonight, when we get to the end of the ministry, we'll give you an opportunity to ask those questions or make those comments. Having said that, I would like for you to join me in a word of prayer as we sanctify our time together. Father, I ask you to speak to me so that I can hear. Awaken me the mind of Christ. Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of your word. Breathe on me so that I can speak. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Flow through me and cause me to move by your spirit, that healing and deliverance break forth in this place and this time because of your word, your spirit, and your love. Live big in me. I now decrease so that you can increase. Holy Spirit, glorify Jesus in my life as I now share the living word, the bread of life. Jesus reveals to us the Father. And draw us into his presence where there is fullness of joy. 
Heavenly Father, quiet our hearts and minds as we allow the peace of God to rule in our lives. Cause us to grow in the grace that has appeared unto all men as you teach us how we should live in this present world. May we now awake to righteousness and slumber no more by walking in the spirit and in the fullness of his grace. As we sojourn in the land of promise, going from faith to faith and from glory to glory. For you've made us more than conquerors in this life through Christ Jesus. So speak to our spirit and birth victory in our hearts and in our minds. In Jesus' name, I pray. Well, beloved, uh, this will be a part seven of stir up the gift that is in you. And um, as we uh, continue to dig into this, um, I'm just trying to present things to us. I can't present anything new because there's nothing new under the sun. But I can give you the ability to think about it from a fresh perspective. I can stir up that which is already on the inside. That's what we're talking about. God has made a deposit. And when he breathed into man's nostril the breath of life, God said that man became a living soul. So the process of becoming is what we're dealing with. Because sometimes we'll uh, start facing something, going through something, uh, become confused about something, and then we become stagnant in our approach to God. Uh, Jesus tells us that we're supposed to come unto him. If we're heavenly, we're supposed to take his yoke upon us. And with the yoke that he gives us, do some learning. Become educated from that position. See, a lot of times, we will let the situation dictate. I was telling my wife today um, something that's kind of interesting, that um, frustration speaks to us. And if we would spend time listening to that frustration, we're going to release whatever we had holding on to that would cause us victory. Because whatever you uh, give your ears attention to, that's the path that you're going to walk in. See? So I'm just trying to get us to stir up the gift that's already deposited. Remember, the thief only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That tells me that I must have something that will allow him to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The job that we should be busy doing is keeping him from doing that. Don't let him steal what's yours. Stir it up. Don't let him destroy what's yours. Stir it up. Bring it to the forefront of your thinking. Bring it to the forefront of your heart. Okay? That's what we want to be able to do on a routine, daily basis. And when I say routine, I don't mean uh, doing it out of, out of rote. I mean doing it as a, uh, a condition of heart that always takes you to what did God say about it and then move on what God said about it. Jesus said that in him we do what? We live and we move and we have our being. It's in him. It's connected to him. It's being lost in him. It's interesting. You're going to get lost in uh, 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 the things of this world. Why not get lost in him? See, that Paul did that. He said that it's not about me. It's about him, Christ that lives in me. I'm going to not go around trying to establish my own righteousness, but I'm going to establish, be found in his righteousness. You know, when I said that, I can just see that as a good point. 
when I am found in his righteousness, then I can't be lost, but I might not be visible to those that are around me, those in the world. I am visible to the Father because the Father knows where I am. But I might be uh, uh, invisible. I might even be insignificant to those that don't know God. But if I'm lost in him and his will is what's going to be done in my life, his will is what's going to be done in the earth, then I will find myself in the position of victory every time, all the time, being found in him. Uh, Let's just go over there right quick just so you can see that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, um, Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 and just look at that. Okay. So that we can... Uh, begin to understand how he wants us to function. Um, verse twelve. Uh, let's no, let's go up. Let's go to uh, verse eight. It says, "Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things." And I do count them but dung that I might win Christ. Wait a minute. He said, I suffer the loss of things, and not only that, but I count them but dung. Sometimes in our lives, we might feel like we are disconnected, but we keep going back to, as the Bible says in Hebrews, we go back to the place we left. Because if you are mindful of the things that you left, if you are mindful of Egypt, the Bible says you will take an occasion to return. Okay, see, because uh, uh, you, you're you're looking at the thing as if it has value to you, and you've already found that there is no value in the thing that you've left. You already know that. That's why you left it. But if you're going to have a hankering, if you would, in your heart, then you're going to have an opportunity to return. The the, the children of Israel were given instructions to go to the promised land. But they kept looking back at what Egypt had provided for them in times past. And they would say things and and they would fuss at the man of God. Moses, why did you bring us out here? We had leaks in Egypt. See, they were being mindful of the thing that they had left. And because they were mindful of the thing that they had left, it was easy for them to return or it was easy for the devil to drag you back into something. You know, when I, I, I first got saved, um, it was real easy for me to um, continue to walk in faith, to walk in grace, and I did it perpetually on purpose. And then um, a friend of mine that was working at the church with me uh, watched me do some work one time, and I hit my uh, finger with a hammer. And when I did that, what I said was, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. I mean, without thinking, that's what I said. It was already in me. And she said, uh, wow, you must really be saved then. I said, what? What do you mean? She said, because if I would have hit my finger, I don't know what you might have heard coming out of my mouth. Not because she was trying to uh, uh, fool me, but it's just that I had spent the time renewing my mind so much by the word that the only thing that was in there is the, the spirit of God that has been allowed to occupy Jesus said, the prince of this world comes, but he has nothing in me. 
See, I have I have set my mind, set my face like a flint to go unto victory. See, this is how we stir up the gift that's in us. I, I rely on, adhere to, trust in the word of God. Well, you sound like you're trying to be perfect. Well, he did command me to be perfect, even if he is perfect. But that's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to do is to fill my heart with the word. Uh, Psalms 119, verse 11 says, Your word have I hid in my heart, Lord. Thy word have I hid in my heart so that I might not sin against thee. See, if I have a, a heart full of the word, then I eliminate uh, the things that would cause me issues. And the word that uh, 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 sin there is defined as uh, being without a portion, being without a share, okay? Or not walking in your rights, walking lower than your privilege. See, I hear his word so that I would not uh, operate lower than my privilege. See, when I hit my thumb, I blessed my body. Okay, come on, come on, look at that. See, I, I, I had an issue, a circumstance an opportunity to do wrong, but I chose to do good because that's what was in my heart. And so I blessed my body. I said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. See, that's just simply using the word, walking the word out, walking into the word so that I'm lost in that word. Did he not tell me if I would simply acknowledge him in all of my ways that he would give me divine direction? He would direct my path. See? So then my steps, which are ordered of the Lord, it's easy for me to get to victory when I practice it over and over in my heart, and then my mouth speaks out of the abundance of my heart, and that's going to be the direction that I gravitate towards, that I walk towards. Come unto me. Take my yoke and learn of me. Okay? I didn't uh, continue to, to, to do what I've already known. Please help me. The definition that I understand of insanity is to do the same thing and expect a different result. So if I'm going to go back to Egypt, can I expect a result different from bondage? When, 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 you, when you allow him, he said, open your mouth and he will fill it with praise. See, when you allow that process to take place, then I can continue to move closer and closer to proximity that I want to see and experience victory from. That's what it said about Jesus, that all of his works were wrought in God. See, everything that he did, he said, I don't do nothing except I see my father uh, do it. I don't say nothing except I first hear my father say it. See, he, he made up his mind that that's the way he's going to live his life. And because of living his life that, like that, we can see those steps that are preordained for our victory. See, I, I don't have to choose to walk in darkness. I can walk in the light even as he is in the light. You see what I'm saying? See, I, I would rather be lost in him than lost in darkness. Because this is what Paul says. He says um, that I count, I've, I've count all things but lost 
so that I can get the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, who's my Lord. Paul did not say here he's trying to get the excellency of the knowledge of his Savior. He said he wants the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, it's one thing for him to be Savior. It's another thing altogether for him to be Lord. See, as I know that he is Savior, he's the one that delivers me. Okay, let's do it this way. He, he's the one that delivers me, but I keep taking myself back to the trouble. But he's the one that delivers me, and I keep taking myself back to the trouble. I'm like the dog that returns to its vomit. Okay? He will deliver me. Amen. He delivers me out of all my troubles. Okay? So, so that's not the, the issue. I make him, and as I make him Lord, then I will hear words that say, turn over here. Go over there. Don't walk in this path. I will hear those words. Okay? He will say, turn not to the right hand or to the left. Walk straight, Stevie. Repent what you just thought about, Stevie. Okay, there's a difference of one letter between the word repent and the word repeat, okay? So then I need to make sure that I'm not adding the A that I don't need to have. I need to just repent. I don't need to repeat doing the same thing, expecting a different result. Then I become frustrated because I'll I'll then say things like, um, you know, God, I don't know why you allowed this in my life. No, 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 no. God gave you the ability to, it's victory over it, but you kept going back to the thing that you already did before. You went back in the steps of Egyptian thinking, cursed system thinking. The earth is cursed, and if you think from that earth-cursed system, you will have to eat the fruit of that earth-cursed system. Death and life is in the power of the tongue, your conversation, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. So if I keep talking like the Egyptian that, 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 that held me in bondage, the, the enemy that, 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 that kept me from walking in victory, if I keep talking like that, thinking like that, as a man thinks in his heart, that's where you find the man. Okay? So if I keep thinking like that, talking like that, I'm going to have to endure the same thing that that produces. The earth-cursed system produces bondage. So that's why he asks us to have our mind renewed so that I can then present my bodies as a living sacrifice. Amen. See, these are just scriptures that we know, but sometimes we don't align them, stir up the gift that's in us so that we can experience the breakthrough that we're looking for, that we need. Paul says, I, I, I count all things that are lost, but for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. So if you didn't count them as dung, you're probably going to place a value on them that causes you to return to them. I don't know. Sometimes I, I, I was doing things, and I figured that, okay, if I got caught, what that means is I must be smarter and slicker than I was last time. 
That's not what he asked you to do. He says you have to count those things, those ways, those ideas, that thought process. You're going to have to count it but done. Okay? If I don't do that, then I'm probably going to revisit it again. I'm going to try to dress up that pig by putting lipstick on that pig. But if you put lipstick on the pig, beloved, please know that you still have a pig. Amen. Now you're going to have to add accessories to the ugly that you were trying to get out of. Really, if you're trying to get out of the thing that's ugly, why would you buy accessories to make it look better? Come on. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And then I will be a God unto you, and you will be my sons and daughters. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. See? This is what is required for your breakthrough. Otherwise, what you're going to do is you're going to uh, make an excuse, make a reason to return to it. You're going to take that occasion to return to it. See? With a renewed mind, with a mind that is resurrected, I don't go back to that thing that I now counted as dumb. Do, do. Okay. He says, and when I do that, notice this, see, again, you're going to hear him say it again up here in verse 14. When I do that, that allows me to win Christ, obtain my victory, walk in his lordship. Amen. When I walk in his lordship, then my direction comes from him. I bow my knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. See? I I don't do things because I want to do them. I bow my knee. I am subservient to him. He is my Lord. So, I mean, saying that, that kind of eliminates some of the things that, that we deal with with what we call bad habits. Okay? A habit would be an unwanted end result that I keep going back to. Okay, if I don't like being drunk, I have to stay away from the alcohol. Amen. I can't go purchase the alcohol and then go pray, God help me. No, I have to stay away from the alcohol so that I don't get drunk. It's on you. Okay? It's on you. It it, it makes no sense to be in the middle of a place that you're not that you're not supposed to be. And then ask God to help you in the place that you went to. Come on, y'all. See, I can resist it prior to me submitting to it. Because you should know that whomever you submit to, whoever you give your flesh over to, that's who you're going to serve, he said. So let not sin reign in your mortal bodies. You can tell what's reigning in your bodies, in your flesh, because of what you do. Okay, please get that. That's what Paul gave us the understanding. Okay? He he told us this is the way that it works, Romans chapter 6. 
okay? The things that you want to do, you don't do. The things that you don't want to do, that's what you do. Why? Because you have gone back after the thing that God has delivered you from. I count it, but done. I don't know. I don't know. Y'all help me out. Okay. Done with the things that have already proved that they are no longer good for me. If I ate the food the first time because I didn't know better, okay? Well, it's going to come out of my body as refuge, dung. Now, if I go back to that same dung and eat it again, am I the smart one or am I the dumb one? Or or am I the sick one? (laughs) Okay? Because there are no nutrients left in the stuff. I have to count it, but dung. It cannot bless me. Okay? There is no maybe in that. You don't generally, as a rule, think about going to to, to get dung and eat it. That's just not what we generally think about. But here, the process, because you think about it, again, in Hebrews, it says you have the occasion to return. Even though you might say, well, maybe this time I can be smarter and slicker. Okay? If it's dumb, you're not going back to it. If, if to you it stinks already, you're not going to go back to it. But we've been trained to do that because we think that we can outsmart spiritual principles, okay? Again, Paul's the key saying. He was saying whoever you uh, give your members over, that's who you're going to be submitted to. That's who's going to be Lord over you. Then he kept on going to that same thing when he said, the thing I want to do, I don't want to do, that's what I do. He says, well, who shall deliver me? He said, my Lord Jesus Christ shall. And there is no condemnation to them who walk not after the flesh, but they walk after the spirit. Okay, let's see this. Oh, wow, wow. Kind of write down Psalms chapter 1, along with uh, 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 Romans chapter 8, 7 and 8, okay? Because he says, those that walk not after the flesh, but they walk after the spirit. So if I'm still if I'm still in the store buying the alcohol, I'm not walking the spirit. I'm walking after the flesh. Amen. That's kind of how, how easy it is for us to look at. Okay? I'm I'm not walking after the spirit. Okay? And he wants us to participate in the thing so that we can win every time. Okay? And he says this. This is what took me here. Verse 9. And it says, that I may be found in him, not having my own righteousness. I will be found in him, which says I have to be lost in him. I have to surrender to him so that it's no longer me that you even see. See? 
because I'm not the one that's important. Since I'm not the one that's important, I shouldn't be the one making decisions, should I? But it's my life. It's still your life. But you're trying to live it from a a level that is beneath your privileges. Amen. He made you to sit together in heavenly places far above all principalities, power, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. He made you sit there. So he doesn't want you thinking uh, about the things of Egypt, Lodabar, okay? He wants you thinking elevated thoughts, amen, so that you can enjoy your destiny while going to your destiny. I don't know. Sometimes I think that I I, I used to think this way, that I'm just going to uh, sin as much as I can, as long as I can, and at the last minute get saved and go to heaven. Why didn't I learn to live in the place that I'm going to go to by obeying his word now? This is my preparation for then. I came to realize that there was no way I was going to sin like like, like a madman and expect to get to heaven because I'm practicing for the place I'm going to. I say it again. I'm practicing for the place I'm going to. If I'm going to live like hell, I'm practicing to the place I'm going to. Amen. See? But if heaven is my home, then I need to practice for the place I'm going to while I'm here. It's it's that simple. See? That's why Jesus prayed, thy will be done on earth. Exactly the same way it is in heaven. Don't think that here on the earth I can do what I want to and get to heaven because your will was not done on earth as it is. Okay. That I may be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Why would you want to do this, Paul? That I may know him and that I may know the power of his resurrection and that I may know the fellowship of his sufferings and that I might be made conformable unto his death. See, that scripture is packed with uh, participation, isn't it? If I don't choose to uh, be found in him, but I'm going to be found doing my own thing, then I will not know the, the righteousness of faith that's of Christ. I will not know the righteousness which is of God by faith. I'll continue to, to try to do things and, and get God to approve of the mess that I find myself in. See? Um, if by, verse 11, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection from the dead, not as though I've already attained, either were made perfect, but I follow after that, I may apprehend, I follow after that, if I may apprehend 
that for which I am also apprehended of Christ. I don't make his death worthless. I make it valuable so that I may attain the resurrection of the dead, that I will be able to follow after that, that I may apprehend the thing that called me to that. See? Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Therefore, as many as be perfect be, should be thus minded. And if there be any other thing that you're thinking about, otherwise minded, God's going to take you back to reveal even this unto you. See, he's going to take you back to the same conversation. How are you allowing the lordship of Jesus to affect your life? Amen. Again, knowing him as Savior, that's one thing. Knowing him as Lord is quite another. Okay? So we need to stir up the gift that's in us. Because every promise from God requires corresponding actions from us. His word might be resident in your mind, but it must become active in your life. Because in James chapter 2, it says that faith without works is dead because it was left alone. It's not active. You heard it. You uh, might even can recall where it was, but you're not having an active participation in that word which was spoken. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But the word that's not active does not produce the power necessary for your victory. It's a ton of people that know about God. See? Again, they have come in contact with him as Savior. But they don't want to manifest his lordship. They keep thinking that they, they have another way out. Well, all I got to do is a little less of this, a little more of that. See, it's not about your little less, a little more. It's about a heart that is sold out to God. We've discovered that biblical faith moves. It's on assignment and brings forth fruit unto salvation. It is affirmed through our actions. Intellectual faith is static. Intellectual faith is in the same place it was last time when you submitted your members to something that God told you to reject. That's static faith. You heard it. You know it. But you didn't do it. That's static faith. Okay? Biblical faith is going to be on the move, going from glory to glory. Okay? Intellectual faith is static and produces nothing but frustrations, doubt. Lies and defeat. In uh, Luke chapter 17, Jesus showed us how we should use our faith. Okay? And um, in 17 chapter verse 1 and to about verse 10, it says the disciples came and Jesus said to them, he says, it's impossible that offenses are going to come. But woe be unto him through whom they come. 
for it was better for him, the one that initiated the offense, that he should be hung with a millstone around his neck and cast into the sea. Um, now, if I'm the one that keeps going back to Egypt, then I am causing an offense in the spirit. And Jesus said, it's better for somebody that's causing the offense to put a millstone around his neck and throw that millstone and him into the sea. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. If you repent, forgive him. If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn unto thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And as soon as the apostles heard this, the disciples heard this, they said, Lord, Lord, increase our faith. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, if you understood the purpose of faith, if you understood the purpose of this grain, then you would be able to speak because faith came, and you would say unto a sycamine tree, be plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and the tree would obey you. If you had a grain of faith that has been planted, that's in your heart, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then you would say to the, because you had this grain of faith, this faith that is active. He didn't say you had to have a bunch of it. That's not what he said. He said you can have a grain of it. Glory to God. If your faith was active, like the grain is always active, okay, the life of the seed is active, but it is held in bay until the conditions around the seed are correct. When you have uh, uh, conditions that are not correct, the seed will come in contact with uh, a desire, but because it did not have any root, it will spring up, and then the sun would cause it to wither. The conditions around the seed were not correct. See? So you can't keep hanging out in Egypt and expect the faith seed to work. That's why he said, if you have all against your brother, this faith seed, because faith works by love, so if you're going to have all against your brother, this faith seed is not going to work. See? You can't speak double-minded, double-tongued, not, not in the spirit and have it to work. But if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, I understand its purpose then I'm not going to do anything to hinder his purpose. I'm going to make sure that the conditions around the seed is going to allow the seed to grow and produce fruit. Then you would say to the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. And then he's going to say some interesting things about faith. He says, but which of you, having a servant, plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he's come into the field, go sit down and eat. But would rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup, gird thyself, serve me till I have eaten, drunken, and afterwards, then you can go and eat and drink. He says, so this faith that I've given you is your servant, and your servant should work until the thing is done, accomplished. You wouldn't say to the servant, well, I asked you to do this, and I don't see nothing happening, but you go sit down. You would say to the servant, say, no, 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 no. Go. Back to work. 
make make ready where I can sup and where I can eat. And then afterwards, you can eat and drink. Does he thank the servant because he did those things which commanded him? I don't think so. So this is why you feel like you feel, because you figure that you're just doing stuff that you were commanded to do. What's with our duty to do? See? That's not a heart that's engaged. That's rote execution. See? Because when you understand that as I walk in the principles of God, then I will be able to enjoy the life of God. As I walk in the principles of God, I will be able to enjoy the life of God. Okay? So our, our, our servant faith should be connected to those obstacles and everyday things that we need to have moved in our life. But if the faith is alone, not connected to the principles and precepts of God, it's not going to produce anything. It can't get anything done. It has no life. No power. It's idle, inactive. Okay? But then Jesus helps us further in Matthew chapter 6 because he doesn't want dead works or idle expressions, words without conviction, words that are just vain and repetitious. So let's look at this, Matthew chapter 6. And again, you can go back and study these things out. I'm giving you the scriptures so that you can go to them and see them. Uh, and, and the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ will shine unto you because the entrance of his word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Matthew chapter 6. He said, take heed that you don't do your arms before men to be seen. Don't do stuff to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have forfeited your reward from the Father. Don't try to look good if you ain't going to be good. When you do your alms, don't sound the trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites in the synagogues and in the streets. They do it so that they can have glory of men, and they got their reward for that. But when you do something as unto the Lord, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Hmm. Do thine alms in secret so that your father which seeth in secret will reward openly. And when you pray, don't pray as the hypocrites. They are loving to stand in the synagogues and pray at the street corners that they may be seen of men. Yeah, well, that's all they're going to get. They have their reward. But when you pray, enter into the closet. When you shut the door, pray to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. So again, he just said, that God is looking at the intent of the heart, not the actions of the body. Things you're doing to be seen of men. God's not interested in that. He said he's interested in the things that are in your heart. And when you get that heart connected to Jesus as Lord, then God says he can reward you openly. But when you pray, don't use vain repetition. For the heathen do because they think they will be heard because they kept saying the same thing over and over again. Sounded right, but they were saying nothing. 
He said, don't be like them, for your, your father knows what things you have need of before you even ask. Okay? And it says, as this goes on, because this dissertation started in, in, in Matthew chapter 5 and goes all the way through <clears throat> Matthew chapter 8. This was all one teaching, one setting, trying to get them to see and understand how the connection should be to heaven. It's not a, 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 a one time on Sunday morning thing, whatever your day of worship might be. It's a, something that you perpetually live out before God. You don't do it so that you can uh, 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 say, look at what I did, God. Look at what I did. Bless me. Bless me. No, you do it because you want to become closer to him in understanding of his word. Whatever words you hold on to, whatever words you allow to be uh, yours, that's the word God's going to use to bless you. He can't bless you if the word and you are disconnected. That word have I hid in my heart so that I would not sin, miss my portion. Okay? And then when he's going on in um, Matthew uh, chapter 7, they were listening at him, and they were just wondering, and they said, wow, we ain't never heard nobody say stuff like this. Verse 29 of chapter 7 says, because he taught, he taught them as one having authority. He didn't teach them as one that has a pretty thought, as the scribes did. He taught them as one that had authority. He released his words on purpose. See? Not because they were alluring, they sounded good, because he was releasing purpose for his life. So Jesus is not interested in us deceiving our own heart. Okay, James again says, don't hear the word only and don't do it, because if you are a hearer and not a doer, this man deceives his own heart. I would submit to you, that a deceived heart uh, will probably live as a frustrated heart. Amen. Why is that heart frustrated? Because it is deceived. Saying, I said all the right things. Can I get the right results? No, because you are deceived in your own heart. Okay? This is, we want to, to stir up the gift that's in you. Pay attention to the things that God has said from the beginning. Okay, because as you pay attention to those things, then you will be able to garden out of that established truth. That's why he says that in, in, in second, second Peter chapter 1. He wants us to be established in the present truth. Be established there. Live there. Luke chapter 6, he, he, he's, this is the same dissertation from Luke's account, okay? And he just said it differently at, at verse 45 because people are thinking that they, they, they did the, the right things. And Jesus said, no, you, you couldn't have done the right things because verse 45 says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is evil. 
for of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things I say? See, this has been a problem in Christianity from day one. People were always accustomed. They were trained in this. Okay? The scribes and the Pharisees were very religious observers. They were not interested in connecting their hearts to, to God. Jesus said, Isaiah prophesied about y'all. He said, this people's uh, uh, confess me, say with their mouth they love me, but their heart is disconnected. It is not just disconnected. It is far from me. There's a big, great distance between them and me. Even though I told them when I was first introduced to them, I told them, hear, O Israel, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I told them that they, they needed to give me all, and here, after I come back years and generations later, they are giving me fake instead of real. Okay? They have operated in religion rather than relationship. Okay? Because he says, this is how you can tell if you're connected. A good man, out of the good treasure, supply of his heart, brings forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, supply of his heart, brings forth that which is evil for of the abundance of his heart, his mouth speaks. Why you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Whosoever cometh to me and hears my saying and doeth them, I'll show you who he's like. So here, Jesus is giving us the litmus test from, from his mouth. He said, I'm going to show you who I want to have this kind of uh, interaction with. If you come to me, hear my sayings, and do them, watch what you will be like. He's like a man and house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the floods arose, when the stream beat vehemently upon that house, it could not shake it because it was founded on a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man who built a house without a foundation upon the earth against which the streams did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. He says, the man that is a wise man, he built a house and dug deep and laid the foundation upon a rock. He didn't just say, I heard this and I'm going to try this. That's not the man that's wise. He heard this. And as he was obeying, the reason that he could know he was obeying is because he dug deep and built his house upon the rock. Come on, y'all. I mean, he didn't just just, just throw, sweep some dirt to the side and say, let me build my house. He said, no, I'm going to dig. And he said deep. He gave us the adjective. He said he dig deep. And then after digging deep, he laid the foundation on a rock. Wow. 
I mean, I'm just trying to, to help you see the picture. Okay? If I'm going to stir up the gift that's in me, I'm going to have to dig deep. Find the, the, the cornerstone revelation that's necessary to bring to pass victory. Okay? I, I'm not looking for a fleeting example of what victory should be. I need to dig deep until I find what victory is. I, I, I keep digging deep until I come to the place where this same foundation that I'm putting on this rock works for, in this case. It works in that case. It works in the other case. See, I'm digging deep. And in the place of my abode, my house, I'm going to make sure that the foundation is what I'm building on. The rock is what I'm building on. Why? Because when the flood arose, he didn't say if the flood, did he? He said when the flood arose, when the stream beat, Nehemiah lived on that house, it could not shake it because it was founded upon a rock. See? But if I don't build like that, then I'm not going to be wise. I'm going to be one who built a house upon the earth. I just built it as quick as I could. I didn't do no dig, no deep digging. I just wanted it to be seen that this is my house. This is where I live. And it says, and the uh, 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 against the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it did what? It fell. And it said it was a bad deal. Great was the ruin. It, it was not just it kind of shook a little bit. It said it gave evidence of great. Uh, you think it was bad yesterday? Wait till tomorrow, kind of stuff. Great ruin. See, because he was not uh, building it a foundation that was on a rock. He, he might be. Let's say it this way: he was building his foundation upon a maybe. Okay, hope y'all got that. See, he was building his foundation on the maybe. He was building his foundation on the hope so. See? And yes, it's evident that you can build on the maybe. It's evident that you can build on the hope so. But when you do build on the hope so, I want you to know in no time at all, it says, immediately the house fell. I, I, I kind of could love God for that because it doesn't let me continue to stay in my deception, does it? Let me just submit to you. If what you're doing is not working and you know it's not working quickly, then you're not operating as a wise man that dug deep into a rock. I mean, come on, y'all. He dug deep into a rock. Please go back up there and look at that. He dug deep till he got the solid rock. Not a couple of stones that was just here. He dug deep and laid the foundation. Listen at him. Listen at the words. Listen at the words. He built the foundation upon what? A rock. So that means that the rock that he built on had to be bigger than the house he was building. Is that correct? 
because he built the whole house upon a rock. Amen. <laughs> See? So it, it, it doesn't matter how big you want this dream, vision, life experience to be. You have to build it upon something that's bigger than the dream itself. I don't preach myself having it right there. I've got to build, I've got to dig deep and put the whole foundation of my house upon the rock. And when I do that, when the stream came, when the flood arose, wow, y'all. There's a difference here. I just saw that. Notice that the wise man built and the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon the house, but it couldn't shake it because it was found on a rock. But there was no immediate destruction, was it? Amen. I want you to see that the word immediate is, is in verse 49, but it's not in verse 48. Which means that over time, the endurance that was necessary for this house to be uh, um, permanently lived in, the man got to enjoy that. There were storms, there were streams, and they were bad. But because he wasn't in a hurry, but he did step by step digging deep into a rock, building upon a, a, a foundation that's going to last past the, the, the stream, past the flood. See? Said he couldn't shake the house. So these are the things that, that we're going to have to do. This is how we stir up, apply uh, ourselves to the building of our house. See, Jesus didn't just do this once and then say, okay, good, I'm finished. I'm going to have to do this again. He did this consistently in his life. And he's inviting us into that same anointing, promise, life. Mark chapter 11. We see Jesus doing things, but not maybe understanding that this was a norm. This was his custom, if you would. That's what the Bible says it was. As his custom was, he went to the temple on Sunday, on the Sabbath day, excuse me. See, that was his custom. So then we have to ask the question, what custom are you allowing God to bring his victory through in your life? What thing that you do because it's your custom to do it? Not just your routine. You, you, you like winning, and winning becomes your custom. Okay. Mark chapter 11, starting at verse 12. We're going to take an account that Jesus is, is giving us so that we can begin to experience perpetual victory in everything. Jesus lived this. Verse 12, and on the morrow, when they would come from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar having leaves, he came. If happily we will find anything thereupon, 
And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of the figs was not yet. Now, let's investigate this. And Jesus said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And the disciples heard it. Now, my mother was the one that, that, that made me understand this because I, I didn't, I, I thought backwards. I thought that Jesus uh, cursed every fig tree. Jesus didn't curse every fig tree. He cursed that fig tree. Okay? He said to it. He didn't say to them, did he? He said to it. Jesus came and he saw a fig tree from a distance. And he saw the leaves that were on the tree. Now, the reason that's important is because the first thing that is produced on the fig tree is the figs. Then the leaves come because the leaves come to protect the figs. Did you get that? Don't have figs, I don't need leaves. If I don't have fruit, I don't need leaves, okay? So Jesus saw evidence that there should be fruit. But this fig tree did not have any fruit because it didn't produce fruit in that time. It was not out of season because the first thing that you would see is going to be the leaves. Because the leaves came first, then the fruit. Okay? So let's use that in, in, in spiritual uh, connotation here. It, it, Jesus put the fruit, when you got saved, he put the fruit in you. What you do now shows that the fruit is there because people come to you and your face is not always a sourpuss because there is fruit that is in you and that fruit should remain. So people should come to you even though life is, is frustrating for people. They should come to you and they should be able to see fruit that is being covered by the leaves, by your expression. By your words Okay Because the process was The leaves come first Then the fruit is protected Okay He saw the leaves And they were Had to be nice sized leaves y'all He saw the fig tree Having leaves From afar Off and so he walked on up there and said, I should find me some fruit. And he came to it and found nothing. The only thing he had is leaves. So then I would ask the question, um, people that see your life, they're expecting power to come out of your life because you called on the name of the Lord. That means you are a, equipped for deliverance. But they come to your life, and they don't see anything but leaves. They didn't see any fruit. Leaves are nice for covering, okay? 
and the leaves take up space so that you can see it from afar off. But they don't satisfy the spirit. So when the people that are hurting, that are, are in your sphere of influence, and you have said, I'm a, I'm a Christian, then they saw the leaves, but they came and didn't see any fruit. Hallelujah. See, so that, that would be a, a challenge. That's what's happened in the earth today. People are, are coming, and they're expecting to, to, uh, to, to be able to experience breakthrough. They see the, the title Christian, but they don't see the fruit of Christian. See, leaves are good, but leaves are not fruit. Leaves will make people mad, just like Jesus got frustrated of a tree that he saw leaves on. And so then Jesus cursed the tree, said, no man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. There are some other uh, lessons that are uh, couched in this because you do remember Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? Well, they partook of the knowledge of good and evil, and the next thing you know, they were sowing fig leaves on them. So then that tells you, shows you that man had been eating from the knowledge of the of good and evil from uh, for a long time. Amen. They could have eaten from the tree of life first, would have been good, would have been no problem. But because they ate from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, then God says, I got to protect the tree of life because this man will stay in an unredeemable state from now on. So he had a flaming uh, uh, angel, a cherub, uh, sent there to keep people away from the tree of life. And so here Jesus is coming to man to redeem man, and he had to show man that you shouldn't eat from a tree that has no fruit. You should not eat from a non-productive tree. This non-productive tree got Adam and Eve in trouble from Jump Street. Watch this. Go, go to... Genesis chapter 3. Just want you to kind of see this. The devil's going to tempt you, uh, give you opportunity to give get things into your life that you didn't want there, but he's going to make them look good. Okay? Chapter 3. And now the serpent was more subtle than any other beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea. Hath God said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Okay, first of all, God didn't say anything about touching the tree. He only said eat. But that's how we do. We add words to what God said. We kind of think it this way, and so therefore it has to be this way. And as soon as the devil heard a twist in truth, he said, okay, I can keep pushing him. And uh, he said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing 
good and evil. I have a question for you. If the devil is going to present you with something that you're already living in, why do I need his assistance in this something? They were already living in the good. Is that not correct? They were living in the good. And so the devil says, well, God knows that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be as gods, and you will know good and evil. I don't know if I'm already enjoying the good. Do I really need to find out anything about the evil? I'm living in the good. God said everything that he made, he said, and it was good. And then he put man in the good. So then there was no need for man to find out about the evil. He was enjoying living in the good. And watch this. This is how the devil does things. Now we set you up. And so then the woman saw, information came from a different source now, and the woman looked at things from this angle. She saw that it was good. She saw that it was good for food. She saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. And a tree that's to be desired to make one wise. But she was already wise, wasn't she? She was made in the exact image that God made Adam. Amen. She came out of Adam. So Adam, being full of wisdom, being, being full of knowledge, being full of grace, he was made out of that knowledge, grace, and goodness. Okay? And so the devil said, it's going to make you wise. And so she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also with her husband with her, and he did eat. So here we are. I want you to see that. That's very important because um, um, it says that when Eve ate, her husband was right there. She didn't eat and then go find her husband. Her husband was right there. Who was supposed to cover her? So even if after she ate, her husband should have said, oh, honey, what, 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 come on, no, let's not do that. Let me go find God and let's go repent because we ain't got no business messing with this in doggone tree. He told us for sure, don't mess with this tree. He could have covered her. This whole thing would have been over right there. I tell everyone, First John 1, 9 was not relegated to the end of the Bible only because everything in God was in God in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. Okay, come on, y'all. In the beginning was the word. That would be from Genesis to Revelation, the word. It was already in God. Is that correct? It was already here. See? So then First John 1, 9 was not uh, something that we waited for John, uh, the Apostle John to write. It was already in God. So if they would have said, Lord, we start, then that which was in him, First John 1, 9, would have been able to stop this whole process. All they had to do was Adam take authority and say, you know what, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If that tree just looked good and, and the devil said this, but now we shouldn't be doing this. I'm sorry. I want to cover my wife and ask you to forgive us. But that's not what happened, is it? Watch what happened here. It's, she, she I gave it to her husband. And he also ate. And it says immediately, now watch this, and the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. Wait a minute. They've been naked all this time. 
but they were unaware because they were covered with the glory of God. Amen. They were unaware of their natural surroundings. God had isolated them from troubles. They were not aware of troubles. They were living in the land of bliss. Glory to God. Okay? And so as soon as they ate of the fruit that they weren't supposed to eat of, it says now the eyes of them were opened and they became aware that lack was there. What lack had man had up to now? He was unaware of any lack surrounding him, aware of it. But as soon as they ate, they knew that they were naked. Their eyes were open. A different revelation, if you would. And then now they begin to do something. Before everything that was needed to be done, God did it in concert for them. Watch this. Go back a little little bit here so that you can see this. In verse 18 of chapter 2, this is what God was doing daily, routinely in their life. Um, and God took the man, verse 15, and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. Lord Jesus, I ain't see that there. He said you can freely eat. Ever how much you want to eat. Get full, boy. Fully, freely eat. But the knowledge of the but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. And the Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. And out of the ground uh, the Lord formed every beast of the air, every beast of the field, and every fowl of the air. And listen at this. God brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Please. He said that God gave Adam an assignment to name the animals, all of them. And how did that assignment get done? The Lord God brought to Adam. Hello. How about getting your jobs done like that? Co-laborer with God, co-laborer with Christ. That everything in your life that was necessary for your life, God brought it to your life. Come on, that's what it said. And God said it's not good for man to be alone. And every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would name. See? He wanted the Adam he wanted Adam to participate in everything that was going on. See? That's exactly what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to bring uh, the situations in your life that's necessary for your life to you to see what you're going to do with them. He brought every, I'm a mosquito. Come here. Adam, what you going to call this? Mosquito. Tiger. What you going to call this item? Adam, tiger. 
See? And then because they were living with provision already being done by God, they were unaware. Look at this. I just said it, but maybe we didn't see it. And he goes on, and he brought the woman to, okay, wow. Verse 22, God, he brought, he caused the deep sleep, 21, to sleep and fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And then Adam said, Ish this for me? The word in, in the original Hebrew is ish. He said, this is now uh, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called. Now, what did he do? He called her woman. God brought her to him to see what he would call her. And so he named her Eve. Watch this, though. Therefore shall a man uh, leave his... And leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Verse 25, and they were both naked. So in verse 25 of chapter 2, they were naked. Is that correct? But they were unaware of that because they were covered in glory. And the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. They were naked. Says that in verse 25. Then when we get down here to verse 7 of chapter 3, it says their eyes were open and they knew that they were naked. Okay? God was, was doing everything for the man. If the man, because God knows what things you have need of before you ask, so if the man needed something, God said, okay, let me provide it for him. Let me bring it to him. This is stirring up the gift that's in you. And so as soon as they bit, they knew that they were naked, and then they began to work on their own behalf. Hmm. They sewed leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Evidently, this was normal to them. God was causing everything that they needed. There were conversations that, that would take place between man and woman, in this, and man and God, in the spirit. There was not begging, come on, y'all, come on, come on. Woo, that's good, sir. There was not begging and pleading with God to do something. God, God would have conversations and say, it's not good for the man to be alone. Who initiated that conversation? Amen. That was not initiated by prayer. That was initiated by love. Come on, y'all. God said, it's not good for man to be alone. See? God, who's interested in, he's numbered the very hairs of your head. He's interested in the minute things of your life. And he was walking with this man in the cool of the day, and he said, it's not good that man should be alone. What can I do for the man? These are the perpetual questions of God. What can I do to bless the man? He's looking for ways and opportunities where he can bless us. What can I do for the man? It's not good that he should be alone. I'll make him a help that's fit for him. I'll even do it so good that I'll take what's necessary for him out of him. 
I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bring it from. I'm not gonna bring that which is good for him from his surroundings. I'm going to bring that which is good for him out of him. Whew. Whew. Glory to God. But now since they ate, it says these things started changing. They made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees in the garden. So before they were enjoying everything, now they're hiding behind their provision away from God. They hid themselves in the trees, which were their provision. So then when you see men sometimes um, getting lost in their job, might I submit to you that they haven't learned to stir up the gift that's on the inside so that their provision is met by the God that is interested in causing them to be blessed. Okay? They hid themselves among their provision from the presence of the Lord. And this is what's interesting to me. And God called unto Adam and said, Adam, where are you? Did you know that your sin will might cause you to hide from his presence, but it didn't cause you to be hidden from his provision? I want you to know that. Our sin does keep us away from the presence of God. But it did not stop the provision of God. I mean, if that had been me, I would have just said, okay, everything gone, that sets you on your own. But God still provided. Matter of fact, God, after uh, uh, hearing his account, said, okay, this is what's got to happen. I'm going to curse the ground because of what you did. I'm going to curse the the serpent because of what he did. I'm going to curse the woman because of what she did. And then God covered them with animal skin. It didn't stop his provision, did it? Amen. I, I need for you to see that. See, so that wherever you find yourself, even if you're not uh, uh, being as obedient as you, it might not allow you to be in his presence, but his provision is still there. It, it, it doesn't change. See? He wants you to enjoy the things that he gave for you to enjoy. Your provision. He wants that for you. He's trying to give you an outward smile and an inward smile. Glory to God. His presence calls the inward smile, and when you allow him to bless you, then your provision comes from the outside. Mm. He's trying to give you both. Or say it this way, he's trying to get you to live from the completeness that he made you in. He wants you to have a smile from the inside and the out. Glory to God. Amen. Or no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. How many good things? None. So that means I can enjoy from the inside out. Amen. See? But Adam did not stir up the gift that was in him. And he started looking at things from a different perspective. And so then God said, well, 
because you've done this thing. Now you're going to have to live by the sweat of your brow. So before Genesis chapter 3, man did not even experience sweat. He walked with God in the cool of the day. Amen. See? Which means that when I have God, come on, y'all, when I have God in his right perspective, he will change even atmospheres for me. Amen. He walked with God in the cool of the day. It didn't say how long, what time frame the cool of the day encompasses. I would submit to you, yeah, that's true, that, that, that his presence affects change so that even though you were going, come on, let's look at it. The Hebrew boys were walking around in a fire unaware that burning was going on. They did not even have the cinch of sm- the, the smell of fire on their hair, not a singe eyebrow. They were walking around in the fire unaware of the effect of the fire. Clothes did not get burned. God can change your atmosphere when he's in the right place in your life. Stirring up the gift that's in you. He hasn't forgotten how to do that. He still wants to do that so that you will be unaffected by the world because you are spirit-led, spirit-filled. As Lord of your life, he will do that. But if you only want to know him as Savior, then you're probably going to know about some of the things that he has to save you from. Your way or God's way? God's waiting on you. He wants to lavish you with his love. He wants to cover you with his grace. He wants to empower you by his spirit. Your way or God's way? Father, we just thank you and bless you again for that which only you can do, that which only you can reveal. Thank you for showing us how to stir up the gift that's in us. Thank you for showing us the life that you want us to participate in as co-laborers in Christ. Thank you that you want us to have the good, be the head and not the tail above only and not beneath. Thank you that that's what you intend for us. Cause us to hear this, know this, understand this, walk in this, pursue this above all things. Because we will allow you to be both Lord and Savior. We give you praise, son. We give you glory and honor. Committing it to you is done in the matchless name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who is Lord and Savior. And the redeemed of the Lord said together, amen. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, beloved, again, we'll uh, come to the time where we would give you an opportunity if you have any questions uh, or or, or comments about the ministry, um, that you would be able to um, uh, take the time and and voice those questions or comments. Um, So area code 312-330-7000. 
You have the mic, area code 312-330-4024. You have the mic. Any questions or comments about the ministry tonight? Mm-hmm. I'm glad I caught it. Of course. I love the book of and there's so much talked in there that we need to get out and kind of lay out before us so we can see how things fit together for good. Yeah. You know, right. God made everything for the man in the garden and then put the man in it. And then God told him to name everything in there. So he had to name everything because scientifically, that was an impossible task almost. Except he had to to mind the Christ. Yeah. Correct. 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 Because he had to be able to organize. Mm-hmm. Everything is uh, separated according to according to phylum, yeah. subphylum, yeah. species, yeah. Wow. Genus. and Adam did yeah. all of that. Correct. Correct. It's amazing. Yeah. God is amazing. Absolutely. Yes, He is. Really and as we amazing. as we learn more about him, the the Bible says that the half has not even been told, because he's able to do right. exceedingly abundantly above all we can think. Oh, see? but he yeah, wants yeah. us to okay. see all of it. We can't even get there, but he still makes an invitation. I found that all of the things in the kingdom of God are based on two principles, and that is invitation and Sacrifice Because when you are invited in You don't need anything else So I just give up everything I got See I don't I don't need to do that It's 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 invitation And surrender Let's say it that way It's invitation and surrender When I hear what he wants from me And I sign the invitation I can surrender to his will Everything in the kingdom Based on that It's invitation and surrender See Give up my thoughts, give up my ways, and just do what he said do. And it begins to work for us. So, again, thank you for uh, uh, being on the call and, and participating in the uh, the questions and, and, and comments. Um, because these are not, that's good, I'm not saying, these are not questions and answers. I don't have answers, okay? I, I know the answer, and that's Jesus. But all I'm doing is is is, is stirring up the gift that's on the inside of you so that we can enjoy uh, his presence, enjoy what he's intended for us. So, again, thank you for uh, being a, a part of the uh, of the ministry tonight. And um, that's the – everyone has said they do this to me, and I don't know why. Maybe God will show it to me that I, I go to the part where you can participate by asking questions and making comments, again, not to uh, – uh, put Lord over one another or to put one another down. This is simply the process of iron sharpening 
iron. That's all this is. So it's not a, a, a thing that we should be afraid of. According to Scripture, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. So that's all we're offering here is you can't be wrong even if I don't understand what you're saying and you didn't understand what I'm saying. I will leave it up to God to, to, to give you the increase because that's what God does. So, um, you know, that's one of the things as you listen to it on, 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 uh, at a later time uh, on, the, on, the, um, on, the, on the website, that's good. But you can write down questions, and then next time you're on, you can ask that question uh, from a different perspective. So God wants, to, he wants us to be made complete in him because that's what he did. He made us complete in him. So, again, uh, I would say to you now, if you have been blessed uh, by the ministry, then um, if you would go to the website and find the donate tab, which is on the website, so that you can give, sow a seed here. Because if you've been blessed um, by the spiritual material that God has placed before you, then it is your responsibility to sow from the material thing that you brought here also. God is the one that gives seed to the sower and that he gives you bread to the eater. So let's honor him uh, by going to uh, blogtalklivedeliverance.com, uh, excuse me, and uh, find the donate tab and be obedient to the Lord to give what he's speaking to your heart to give. That's the only way we can stay on the air is through the free will offerings of the people that have been blessed by the ministry. You know, it's, it's, it's for us to grow together. Not, this is not a, 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 a Stevie Lee time to shine. I, I am trying to decrease all of the time so that he can increase. That's what I want to do because this is life to me. This is not just an opportunity for me to share. This is life. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. I understand that and I participate in that plan. So, again, uh, go to the website and sow a seed here at LiveDeliverance.com. Until the next time that we can gather together, we'll be here um, next Monday. Even though it will be a, a day that the, the world is, is celebrating craziness. <laughs> okay? I, I just looked at it and saw this, this October 31st. But I will still be here uh, declaring the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wow, God. I won't be here trying to uh, stir up uh, spirits that are already dead. I'm going to be here declaring the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. So until the next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. Until the next time, love you. Be blessed.